0: Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you, we thank you, we praise you, praise you for who you are, God. Praise you, Lord, because of your love for us. I thank you for these people, I thank you for this church. And God, it's just so overwhelming to hear them worship and to hear and see their hunger for you. God, we're hungry for you. We're hungry for you. There's emotion involved, of course, but understand, God, this is from the base of our heart. We're hungry for you. We want you. If we had our choice, this is all be over and we'd be in your kingdom with you now. So Father, we don't just want you because we want a better life. Know in my heart, Father, I could truly care less about this life, outside of what you want in it, and that your name is praised when we step out in faith and we fall in love with you. So Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for their hunger. And Father, might you repay their hunger with your presence. Speak through me, Father, your words only, none of my own. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Um. extraordinary I, I don't know how many I think when we start to talk about it, it's going to make sense but I don't know how many people really understand what's going on and I don't mean about me being sick, I mean right now, this time frame what's going on um, by the way, me being sick is being sick sucks. But the Lord did tell me why. Part of it was my stupidity. <laughs> we'll set that one aside. Call it lesson learned. That that was just the initial part of it. And I will never listen to Michael Stephen again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. But but truly uh, the Lord did tell me that there is a reason for it, and He told me when I'd be better. Um, but I'm wondering if you understand the climate in which we're in right now, and I don't mean hypothetically; I mean today. Four day, what? Four days before Halloween. Is it four days? Three days. Three days. The second. Greatest celebration that the enemy has in a year is Halloween. The first being Good Friday, which, which was the day that Jesus was, was hung on the cross. But the second largest is Halloween and the one that's really attributed to him. I mean, literally the world celebrates effectively who he is and the fear in which he, he puts out there. It, it astounds me in two ways. One, it astounds me that I never figured it out before, which is amazing to me. But then it astounds me even more that people are so blinded by what is projected in Halloween. I, I don't know if any of you turn on your TVs and and just see what's projected. It's it's insane. It's insane. And the only way I know for me, the only way I could have allowed that and really displaced it in my mind is to believe that it wasn't real. Well last year we learned it was real. Last year, the Lord mounted up through this church an assault to pray against Halloween, beginning where it began, I can't even, was Indonesia the first, the first time zone? I can't remember, Peter would know, but, uh, I know it was like 6 a.m. Tuesday morning. Your (laughs) dad will know. Okay. Somebody will know. But anyways, we, we began that warfare and praying against it last year and went all the way up through Halloween night and the service that we had here. And we're just praying in faith. We're just praying in trust that, that the words that we declare, that the Lord declares through us, carries weight in this realm. By the way, not fully knowing if that was the case or not. We just did it by faith. And what came out of last year was the beginning of something quite extraordinary, if you remember. See, it's wild. But just a year ago is when we started to see the turning of witches away from Satan. First of all, that night there was a little baby saved. It was a vision that the Lord gave me that was real time. At the time, we only knew it was true because of the Lord telling us that it was true. But within, I want to say, a week, I think it was a week later, a week later, that same witch that we did not know was the witch that was thrown out of that circle that night, she came to know the Lord. A week later. See, God has the strength to overcome anything. That includes what the enemy might try and do. But recognize, and we know this, it's a war. It's a war. What he's putting together right now is plans for that war. He thinks it's going to be a celebration. The enemy does. I have news for him. It's not. In fact, what is going to come against him this time will make last year look like a celebration. But I look at this here. Wendy gave me, I had Wendy give me these sheets here. And these, these are the sheets of the signups for, for different hours. We're starting 6 a.m. on Tuesday morning and going all the way through 6 a.m. uh sorry 7 a.m. so through the 7 a.m. hour on Thursday morning and these are the sign ups that people have signed up for these time frames and i got to tell you it's it's sparse right now guys i need you to sign up you can say all day that you're part of the army You could say all day that you're part of this group that's going against the enemy. But if you don't sign up, then you're not part of the organized effort. Obviously, you could pray on your own. Anybody can pray on their own. But look historically, and the organized efforts fueled by God's plan in that that's what brings defeat to the enemy. So I want everybody in here to sign up. I want everybody in here to be a part of this effort. And and for those online, and and I know there there'll be many that see us from from uh, all over the world. I know there's not a way for you to sign up, but understand that this Tuesday. 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in the United States is when we begin, and we go through the 7 a.m. hour on Thursday morning, which would be the first. Again, Eastern Standard Time in the U.S. Join us. Join us in this fight. Another thing that that will be available to you. I, I don't know if he's going to uh, um, email it out, pass it out, put it on God's blood. Okay, we'll put a link on Messenger, but it's it's some guidelines on how to pray against Halloween. It's really good. It's got some really good stuff in there, um, but there are some things that I'm going to reveal. I don't know when. Um, Lord will show me when. I I, I can't do it this morning. Um, I don't know if it'll be right before we begin. Although most most people won't be awake, so. Lord will help me figure that one out, but there's some strategies that He's given um, that uh, that that I am going to reveal. Um, I will say this though, and Father, just place places in your stealth as uh, somehow confuse the enemy from hearing this very thing, even if they hear the words in Jesus' name. Failure. Gains momentum to produce failure. If we get him at the beginning, it'll continue to produce failure throughout the rest of the time. The beginning is critical. I know it's 6 (laughs) a.m. in the morning, but the beginning's critical. In in fact, what what's probably going to happen is we'll do a prayer call at 6 a.m., And that's where I'll I'll reveal some of this strategy. But if we can start coming against him hard at the beginning, the Lord will bring defeat to him early on. And that will just mushroom. It'll mushroom. By the time he ever gets to the States, I don't even want him to come. I want him to be so frustrated that he goes, and I know this is what he'll do, that he'll go back up to the court, and he'll go back to what he knows he can do. So I want him off this earth. I want him up there in defense and not offense, because we're on offense. All right, so so this is going to be available. I want to make sure that people sign up for that. And and then we'll we'll give out more specific information. But I think I think that first morning, Tuesday morning, six a.m. We'll do we'll do a prayer call, and so anybody can get on it. And and that first hour, we might just do that all together, um, for those who are awake. <laughs> but um, uh, but be encouraged. It's interesting because I I look at. Anybody ever play sports where you go into a big game okay when I played football when I would go into a big game there wasn't a time that I was not sick and and it was like a mix of emotions and and I don't mean sick like my body was ill but but it may as well have been you know when when you're you're you know your stomach's queasy your your mind's moving a, a thousand miles a minute um, you just i know for me it was just it was that way until the first whistle blew, and i 'd go down and make the first hit. then everything was fine. it was in the normal time zone again right that 's how I feel here that 's how I feel coming up to this Halloween. I feel like this is an incredible opportunity for defeat for the enemy. Now I do know we're not the only ones praying. People are praying all over the globe. So what we do in our part, God will take that and he will fuse it with everybody else. We don't have to know them. They're brothers, sisters in Christ. We just do our part. So I I got to tell you even even being really sick this past week and everything else um it has it has gotten me excited in the fact that Satan thinks he got something over. And he just didn't. He has no clue what's coming at him. No clue. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Second Timothy. This morning, as I was asking the Lord, should I go? Or uh, should I have Alexis preach? And and the Lord, he told me that uh, he would keep me uh, good enough to be able to stay in one place. But then I said, okay, Lord, what do you have then? And he gave me this passage here. And in this passage, as I was reading it this morning, he laid out a, a little simple three-point outline but this has to do with where we are right now it has to do with i don't know if you've noticed i've noticed a discouragement in people um i've noticed way less people on the prayer call right i mean we we would we would usually average 15 20 people or whatever we've been doing like Corey, five to eight, this this whole week. So, I think a lot of that comes when people aren't recognizing the power behind it and what's going on. And so, I was asking the Lord, you know, what what can be an encouragement. And what he told me was the realization of where we're at. If you realize where you're at, you'll be encouraged. You may not know what's coming down the road two weeks from now, three weeks from now. Or you might. But I can tell you that there is nothing to be discouraged about. The victory that is coming our way Whether it be this week, and and by the way, I'm not talking about the victory over Halloween. I'm talking about there is a significant world-altering event that is going to come. That could come at any moment. I expect it any time. But it's going to change the way you see your life. It's going to change the way you walk through your life. So in 2 Timothy, chapter 2, I want to start at verse 3. And Paul's speaking to Timothy and he says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I'm going to read through the whole thing first and then then we'll go back. Uh, share in suffering as a good soldier in Jesus Christ, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. <laughs> and I love Paul. Think over what I've said, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. (laughs) Paul makes these three statements that are seemingly completely unrelated. Don't have to do with anything. He doesn't explain anything. And he says, think it over. Lord will show you. (laughs) I love that. That's so good. Because see, that requires us to engage. That requires us to engage. So let's look at it for a second. See, what the Lord gave me here is three distinct things that being a soldier means. Being a Christian, being one who is hungry for the Lord, who goes after Him with everything means. First, we share in sufferings as a good soldier in Jesus Christ. Be expectant, guys. That you're gonna hit difficult, you're gonna hit things that come against you, and it's par for the course. If you're on a battlefield and you're waging war against the enemy, you pretty much can assume they're gonna shoot at you, right? They're gonna, I, I guess depending on your time frame, whether it be arrows or maybe a tank, right? Shoot a missile at you. I don't know, but chances are something's coming at you. If you live for the Lord, something is going to come at you. Rest assured, it has to. It has to for a couple of reasons. One, it has to because you'll never learn to deal with it without that. That's why the Lord allows it. Why did the Lord allow me to be sick? Check in on Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. and you'll know. I'll share with you then, but... Was there something that the enemy had victory in? Yes. But like the word says, what Satan intends for evil, God can turn toward good. Do you believe that or not? If you believe that. Now, I'm not saying get excited about the evil in your life. Boy, that's coming against me. Awesome. Right? Or you could. You could you could do that. That's fine. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Peter did too. It's like, yes! We're in prison. Amen. I'm pretty sure it was not because of the food (laughs) or the bedding or anything else. Right? It was because what God could do with it. So what is coming against you in life, you don't have to turn around and feel like it, it will defeat you. Now, it can defeat you but it can't unless you let it, right? When we allow God to work through our lives and Satan comes in to try and fight us, we have a choice. We have a choice and we can see in there, I recognize that as a soldier, I will come under the same sufferings that Jesus Christ came under. You know, even, even those disciples when, when he was alive before he was crucified, he said, follow me. He said, but understand, you won't have a place to lay your head. You won't necessarily have a roof to keep the rain off. We won't always have the nice things of this earth that we might think that we need. Why? Because my road is a difficult road. Jesus Christ's road was a difficult road. Did it mean that he said, don't follow me, this road's tough. Don't follow me. No, that's not what he said. He said, follow me, but understand. Follow me, but be prepared. Follow me, but know this is going to come at you. So, when it says to share in the sufferings, As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, we have to understand that the pathway will be difficult. And that's the first point. Okay? And then no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So the point number one is the path will be difficult, but you must stay focused on the path. Recognize it's going to be difficult, but stay focused. Stay focused. If you're sick, stay focused. See, Satan would love nothing more than this to knock me out of next week. That's what he would love. That's what he would love for you. He would love for you to be so busy that you can't sign up for an hour or multiple hours. He wants you to be so tired that you won't do that because, well, somebody else will cover it. Stay on the path. Recognize the path is tough, but stay focused on it. Stay focused on it. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be this way 24-7. I I know when I used to get ready for football, if, if I felt the same way I felt right before the game, right at kickoff, and felt that way the entire game, I wouldn't make it the whole game. Right? I mean, literally, you're expending energy in the preparation. You're expending energy in in what you see coming. And I I hope this makes sense, because once you engage in it, And say, Lord, I don't have the strength, but I know you do. I know you've called me to do this. So, Lord, help me to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning when I signed up for this. To pray. But not just pray through this hour, but to pray with power. To pray with the power of heaven. Because, see, there's that little baby. Or there's that abducted adult. Or even that adult that has been groomed for this their entire lives. That is planned to be sacrificed. So Lord, I need your power in my prayer. To infuse that fight. See, when you do that, he promises to be there with you. So you can't be taken out by other concerns. Lord will show you your path, right? He'll show you your path. Can't be distracted by anything that comes in the way of that path. Verse 5, An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. What the Lord showed me here, this point number two, Is that you've got to stick to God's plan for His outcome to happen. Can't be your own plan. Well, Lord, I, I love you. I'm a, I'm a soldier. I know we're going to, we're going to, uh, do this thing here, but you know, I, I kind of have my own way of doing it and, and I'm kind of, kind of do this and do that. And, and do you see what Paul's saying here? He says, understand what this is meaning. God has a plan. God has a specific plan. God certainly has a plan to come against this Halloween. But in a broader sense, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for everything that you deal with day by day. He has a plan that includes down to the detail of what you're doing, but all the way out to the broad strokes. But either way, if you want His will, you've got to stay within that plan. It can't be that you have to set up your own plan and say, "Well, God, I I know, I know this part. I got because I understand this and I've done this before. And and you know, I'll 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 get up and I'll do this prayer and I'll do what I need to do. And you know, I I know you'll bless it, God. And I'll just I'll just go through the effort. How different would that be if you did that versus, Lord, I'm going to move my mouth, but I need you to fill it." I need the words with power to come from you and nobody else. Do you think it might make a difference? Yeah, I think it might make a difference. So Paul says here, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. That means that entire effort makes no, no, doesn't matter at all unless you do it according to how God wanted you to do it. Boy, there, there's a life lesson just in that statement. Because how often do Christians rebel against what God wants? And and I'm not even talking about, you know, the, the do's and don'ts of Christianity. I'm not even talking about the blatant, you know, sin that's obvious and everybody knows about. I'm not even talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about giving Him our yes. I'm talking about let Him setting the standard for the pathway that you walk. Him saying, this is the next step. Instead of, well, I'll step here, and Lord, I pray that you bless it. Now, sometimes He lets us do things on our own but usually those are tough lessons, right? They're tough lessons. And what we have learned, and I know I'm preaching the choir in this, because in in this church there have been so many that have given their yes to Him, and He has decided their pathway, and they are walking in Him. But recognize that there is no crown, There is no reward unless you're going by his plan. That's point number two. Verse six. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. (laughs) Just picture, picture, you know, Timothy reading this, you know, from Paul writing it and just saying, Paul, are you ADD or what? Because it just doesn't flow together at all. But the third point he gave me is that you will reap the first fruits of God's blessing on your life if it's his plan. You will reap the first fruits of his blessing in your life if it's God's plan. What does that mean? That means the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are the first fruits of blessing in any Christian's life because they're the very fruit that comes, and and it's the first fruit, literally, that comes from a relationship with Him. Right? As we build relationship with Jesus Christ, we give Him our yes, we follow in His paths, we learn to communicate back and forth, We grow in that relationship with Him. What's produced out of that right away are the first fruits, the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Anybody here ever pursue hard after Jesus Christ and not receive the fruits of the Spirit? No. No such thing. Because, see, those are promised to them who love Him. Bible says. And so when we pursue him, we could count on that love. We could count on that peace. We could count on that patience. On the goodness, on the meekness. We could count on those things. Because they're the first fruits produced in our lives. Don't be confused that, wait a second, first few, uh, farmer, first fruit, money, I should, why Why don't I have a new car? Don't go there. Don't go there. Because those are not the first fruits of what's promised. What's promised is the relationship, the joy of that relationship. I promise you something. If you had a choice to live in the nicest house, to drive the nicest car, to have all the money you needed, and yet have a Modicum relationship with the Lord. You're saved. But not that deeper relationship. Verses. Had none of those things, but yet every word that came out of your mouth was from the Lord. What would you choose? I know me. I, I would choose the second. I would want every word of my mouth to come from the Lord. Why? Because who cares about this life? Who cares about what the Lord allows or doesn't allow or what Satan works on trying to fight and everything in this life? If you're living for this life, you've got a long road to go. Long road of disappointment. Long road of misunderstanding. Long road of figuring out where did I go wrong? But I'll tell you what, on the flip side, You become empowered by His Holy Spirit and you become a warrior. You become a warrior even if you never thought of yourself as a fighter. You know, I, now I know some people, you know, kind of think of themselves as a fighter. You know, I used to fight and spar when I was younger. Okay, but, but what about the girl that's, you know, 105 pounds and, you know, can, Barely lift a backpack. You might have a tough time thinking of yourself as a warrior. But God doesn't. Because I have seen more power in a person who shows no physical strength than I have seen in anybody else when the Lord's working through them. You know, the picture that Pops into my mind, I don't know most of you are not old enough to remember this um, it was uh wow what it was in China, I want to say it was Beijing Square or something like that, where they were having the huge huh Tiananmen. Tiananmen square yeah that's it where where they were having these huge riots and everything else, and they brought the tanks in and and this little young man gets out there and just stands in front of the tank I mean. Praise God, the tank saw him. Did they really? Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of screws up my whole example. <laughs> <laughs> they really did run him over. Wow, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> slowed him down, but the- <laughs> <laughs> Slowed him down. Yes. The point is still the same. Because he stood up to stop what he physically could not stop. He physically couldn't stop it. I mean, the fact that he was run over kind of proves that. But it didn't matter. Because what he believed in was stronger than his life. Now, I don't know if that young man knew the Lord. I would guess he perhaps did not. How much more so when what you're fighting for is the cause of Christ? When you know that this world is not the end. When you know that you're going to be in the kingdom of heaven. How much more important is it for us to stand up? Well, I'm I'm here to tell you, I know you've been preparing yourselves for a long time. You know, the, the bulk of this church has. There is this thing that's coming and that will happen. It's going to let loose Those who have been prepared. Those who have been so eager to stand in front of that tank. you're going to have opportunities. Because this world is about to change. This country is about to change. We see signs of birthing pain right now, but you don't see them in the church yet. You're about to see them in the church. You know, when I was over in Nigeria, I, I said this last week, but but the Lord gave me a word about one of the churches last, which I mentioned last week, about dismantling them. But really, that applied to every religious system, not just the one. And He's going to do the same in the United States. God hates the religious system. He hates it. He would rather there be a a few unrelated tiny little groups scattered all throughout the world that didn't worry about a religious system but just fell in love with him. Sound familiar? See, with that, he could do something. See, with a a young 15-year-old kid out taking care of the sheep that just was in love with the Lord, he could do something with that. He could take that kid and he could change the world. And that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. There was no fear in that. If there was fear in David's heart, you don't see it. I can't wait to talk to him because it's like, dude, did you ever feel any fear at all? Or did they just write it in a way to where we couldn't see it? I would imagine, I would imagine with David, he felt fear. I don't think anybody doesn't. I think he's running toward Goliath. He's swinging the thing and he's saying, okay, well, this is where I really hope our relationship was correct, (laughs) but I trust you. I trust you and I'm going. See, that's where you're at right now. That's where we're at. We're running into the face of the enemy. And we got the stone loaded. See, we don't have to deal with the outcome ourselves. The Lord will. We just got to throw the stone. And that's what we're going to do. Beginning Tuesday morning. I want to just finish. Let me, let me just read down through the rest of this, starting at verse eight. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. See, Paul's fight was not for himself. He established his relationship. When you establish your relationship with Christ, you begin you begin to fight for others instead of fighting for yourself. Because you know Jesus is the one fighting for you. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful he cannot deny himself. I encourage you to dig into those verses. I'm not going to take the time to do it this morning, but I'll I'll give you a couple of hints. First part is straightforward. If we die with him, we'll live with him. If we endure with him, we'll reign. Don't expect to reign if you don't give him your life. Don't expect that when we're with him for eternity that, oh, well, now everything's good because, yeah, I'm, I'm just with God now. No, there's a difference of reigning with him. If you want to reign with him, you got to give him your yes and endure with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. By the way, this is not talking about those who are not saved. That's a scary thought. If I deny him access to my life, I could choose to do that even if I know him as my savior. I can know him as savior and say, you do not get to do what you want in my life. I have my ticket to heaven, but I need to control this life myself. Sadly enough, most Christians, even, even if they wouldn't maybe be that blatant about it, that's exactly what they say in their life. See, I have to control this, otherwise this falls apart. Otherwise, I don't get this in my life. Otherwise, this person won't love me. This person, they, they, they won't do this for me or whatever. See, these are, these are, opportunities in our life where even being saved, we can deny Him. And see, when we deny Him, He is not going to force that relationship upon us. He will pull His hand back and He he will not allow that relationship. A relationship is a two-way thing. We can't force a relationship on Him and he will not force a relationship on us. A relationship is mutual agreement. But I love the last part. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Cause he can't deny himself. Ultimately, his plan will continue. It may not be that it continues with what he had you doing if you say no. But he will not deny himself in his plan. You've heard it said that if Lord has you do something, you step away, and Lord will put somebody else in there to do it for you. He will not deny himself. And he will not deny the the people... <laughs> Who wholeheartedly build relationship with him, he can't, because that's what he died for. That's what they created us for, was that relationship. So I want to encourage you today, as we go into this next couple days, you know we're not going to see each other again. I mean, except for like on the prayer calls, stuff like that. We're not going to see each other again until we're more than halfway into this cycle. You know, by the way, it's Wednesday night. We're not getting together Tuesday night. We're getting together Wednesday night this week. But don't think that we're not together. We need to have a mind frame of being together. Being together in prayer. We've got a prayer call tonight. We've got a prayer call tomorrow night. And then it starts at 6 a.m. Tuesday morning. Yeah, call Tuesday. yeah. yeah I would say so. Yeah, definitely. And, and by the way, anybody who wants to use the prayer call, um, you know, if there's a group of you praying over an hour period and you want to use the prayer call, it's available to you. Anybody could call in and use it. So it's available for you to do that. But understand you're in this together. We're all in this together. We are a single front moving toward this end goal of what God wants. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you and praise you, God. I thank you, Lord. Again, as I said before, I thank you that you've shifted us from defense to offense. Offense is different because you're not trying to figure out what the enemy's doing instead you're trying to you you have us figuring out your strategy for the enemy so father we just lay our lives out prostrate for you to infuse your strategy into our lives into our hearts into our words into our prayers Father be between now and Tuesday morning I know you're going to reveal so much more strategy so much more so father we just we just say yes we ask for the greatest single defeat that Satan has ever ever realized since manipulating people on this earth. I pray for that in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
1: It's always interesting to me that when God gives Greg something so similar to what he gives for the women's class. I was amazed by that because what it, what it tells me is that he really, really wants a particular point-driven home because we talked about dying to self and crucified with Christ. And I was just thinking how interesting, it, I felt certain statements that he made while true were a little bit cringeworthy to our flesh this morning. You know, when you talk about not caring at all about this life, that's, that's a, hard, it's a hard paradigm shift. And what the Lord brought to my mind immediately was, you know, one of the, the or the first commandment in Exodus 20 is thou shalt have no other gods before me. And because I kept thinking, why is that cringeworthy? Why is it difficult to for have him say, it doesn't matter about all that, all the things we need, the car, the house, the, the things, versus a great relationship with God. And I thought, why is that such a difficult, you know, I mean, literally people seek out churches that will tell them how they can prosper in this life. I mean, that's, you know, that is the health and wealth gospel that is attended by thousands and thousands in one church. And I thought, why is that? And when you imagine making that choice, I thought, you know, what it really boils down to is there's a, there's, a, there's a love for something else, that whether we are admitting it or not, there's a love for something else that's tying us and entangling us. And that's the concept of no other gods before me. All throughout Scripture, but especially in the Old Testament, he talks a lot about idols. You know, idol worship, idol worship. And idol is anything loved over God. And idol worship was the abomination that that, you know, it was all these detestable gods. Well, we don't see those because not everybody, some, some, uh, a woman I'm praying for desperately. Uh, you know, some have big old gigantic three-foot Buddhas in their houses, and, and they still have actual physical idols in various religions. But we don't think about that, especially if you're a Christian. You don't think about your idols. And um, and I just I just want to say before I give announcements that it reminded me that you know in a few weeks we will be celebrating our 30th anniversary, and um, it's coming up, and that's just mind blowing. And you know. It's it's really about paradigms because I got to tell you, thank you for that. Some people celebrate that with you. Other people, and I know some of them, that their paradigm reaction is thirty years. Wow, I mean that just sounds like torture to me. I mean seriously, the same. And even if they don't know who my husband is, they're, they're like, how can you? How can you? Do not because I, but. The thinking is, how can you be with the same person? I mean, it just like there. I mean, seriously, like no variety, like the same. Thing. And, and I'm, you know, and that's the that's the thought in this world, okay? And that's not even that many that many years. That's well outdone in this room um, than than just thirty. But it, it made me think, you know, if there's one thing that has been not true even in the slightest bit in the last 30 years for me in my marriage, is boring. It has been
0: really, okay, now stop.
1: It has been an adventure, but it came because I decided to be married. You know, it it was that the Lord, that the marriage was the course I was on. When I made that commitment, I set my course in marriage and any commitment we make, you know, that song we sing all the time. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. That is what has brought the joy. Doesn't mean there haven't been the hard times. There are hard times. There are lies that will come against your relationship, and and we it was interesting. We even had I a, a, I don't know whether it be an argument or a discussion even this past week that was a, as a we were in agreement, but the miscommunication made it seem like we were not in agreement, and so the enemy was fueling that and turning it into something it wasn't. That's what happens in our relationship with the Lord. But the idea of giving everything to God is a paradigm, and part of how God meets our needs. Is by showing us what our needs really even are. You know, and you guys know I had mentioned that in the, in the Psalm 37-4. When you delight in Him, He doesn't just give you the desires you have now. He tells you what, what do you really desire? He's the one that made you. You know, He knew that when you had, when it entered into a relationship with you, He knows that He can supply all your needs. And so I think that this idea that's cringeworthy to try to be completely sold out there's something in our minds that tells us yeah but then i'm going to be miserable yeah but then i'm going to be that yeah that one missionary that used to come to my church all the time and they just looked like rags they kept you know wanting to get an offering so that they could eat because over in the country they were you know they finally are to the states where they can eat And eat. and it was like all this negative kind of connotation that's what i had of missionaries that's why, do you know, I literally told the Lord, please don't ever send me to Africa because I'm not going. Now, I didn't know anything about Africa at that time. But I mean, I, I when I was a teenager, I said, just Lord, I can't say that to you because I know you're God. And then, you know, but seriously, like, you know that I don't want to go there. So please don't send me there. And he just has such a sense of humor. You know, it's so funny. And I love it. it it's, and I told you that story, so I'm not going to mention that, but God will give us the desire. So give us the joy. And, and, um, I, I just, I want to encourage you to give God what you even desire, because he will show you that when you choose him, there is nothing you're lacking. And that I think is the biggest reason we don't get sold out. That is the biggest reason that, um, that marriages fail. I think it's, it's this, this sense of lack sense of some things, you know, I could get something better somewhere else, or it's gotta be easier somewhere else. And, and it's, it's, that's why marriage is a picture of the church. And so, but wherever you've been, whatever broken situation you've been in your relationship with the Lord, he renews, restores, redeems. And, and wherever you are, you can start today with that absolute sold out. I'll give you anything. And it does not mean that he won't meet your material needs in this life. In fact, he cannot wait to bless us, but it has to be his way. Do you know how much more blessing you probably would get? with giving it to him. And the weird thing is, remember, it's just like our money. When we don't tithe our money, we think we're, well, I can't tithe it because I need to hold on to it. But do you know that just like the feeding of the 5,000 that she prayed so beautifully, Shannon did earlier, he can take the little bit that you have to meet your need or if you're holding on to a certain amount, it's weird how, again, because we give authority to the enemy when we disobey God, we can suddenly that week have 12 more expenses because of various circumstances that we didn't have, and now all of a sudden what we hoarded from God is not meeting anything. Mm-hmm. It's, do you see how it's just God's way is the best way. Whatever you're hoarding, and I'll tell you, even if you're hoarding your time, I just don't have time to get on that prayer call. I just I can't do it, man. Anything you're withholding from God, do you not he, he said to Moses, what's that you've got in your hand? And Moses gave a lot of excuses too. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't speak. I can't do it. It's like, what do you have in your hand? Let me show you how powerful that staff is. All you got is a staff. I'll show you what that staff can do. And you guys know the story. So give him everything. Some of us are blocking our own blessings. We're blocking our own joy. We're blocking our power. Because we don't place it in his hands. And that is what... Um, I get excited about. Without that paradigm, I, I wouldn't be that excited, i got to tell you. But I've had to surrender my paradigms. I've had to surrender my paradigms. If somebody told me, you know, in 1982 that, um, you know, before I was you know, dating and, and doing, that I that, you know, yeah, you're going to be married to the same guy for 30 years. I might have at that time, in that early paradigm, with some of the friends that I had, I might have thought that that was a possible life of torture. <laughs> but God <laughs> brought me the greatest man Aww. and it's been what right. and so hotball too i know seriously the camera doesn't show how much he's not in his head right now oh wow well we will pray about that one anyway so thank you for that great word and and i actually want to say thank you for being a vessel because that great word came from the lord jesus christ today um i saw i had a